you're listening to MOD Channel. Does the Bible tell us how old this planet really is? We're going to be exploring that in this episode. Hi guys, I am Mr. Essien, your host, and we're just going to be getting right into today's topic. But how are you, by the way? How's it going? I hope your day is going extremely well. All right, so let's get into the topic. We're exploring what the Bible says about the age of the earth. Now, right out the gate, if you are not familiar with why this is important well i'll just get straight to the point science tells us that this earth is billions of years old in fact some would argue up to 4.6 billion years so we'll probably say 1.8 billion they're different um stances but there is a general agreement among scientists that the world this planet are looking at is billions of years old Now, that seems to pose a problem for the Christian. In fact, there are many scientists who believe that the Bible disagrees with their view or their discoveries or their findings concerning the earth. Of course, you have some scientists who are what we call young creationists. These people believe that the earth is young and they believe that it's exactly what we see in the Bible. Now, let's get to the Bible itself. It appears, it looks like the Bible seems to say that the earth is quite young. In fact, if we trace um, the genealogy of Adam down to, you know, Jesus, if we just look at that genealogy of people who lived and, you know, in biblical times, if you calculate the age of those people and just look at some rough calculations, you probably come to the conclusion that the world is 6,000 years old. This idea began with the Archbishop James Usser of Ireland. He said the world was made in 4004 BC. I think he even added by 6 p.m. And so by his own deductions, using the chronology or the ages of the people in the Bible, so to explain by what I'm talking about, if you read the Bible, you see that... Um, the age of someone like Methuselah is there, age of Enoch, age of Abraham, age of um, those men. Like, you see them, those guys who used to live 900 and something years, 700, even Adam's age is put there. So, based on all those rough calculations, they put them together and said, okay, uh, if we look at it, the world should be around this um, age. And as I said before, the scientific community grievously or grievously disagrees with that and it has led many scientists to believe that the bible is unscientific and therefore unreliable so the question is what is the matter is the scientific community wrong about their discoveries or is the bible wrong or are they both right do do they have any point of agreement or intersection do you have to um be a lover of science or if you are a lover of science does that mean you have to discard biblical facts and uh before we even go into it i want to say that the bible actually is one of the most reliable um religious books out there there are 
books not i don't want to mention right now but there are books out there that actually states that the sun um sets in a muddy pool that is that the sun goes and sets in a pool of mud you know and and some other crazy ideas um the bible actually does very well when it comes to lots of fact like i mean historical facts has been found to be very very in fact profoundly accurate it's been found to be um even when it comes to science if you look at the book of job we're talking about job i think 36 or 38 when god confronted job and began to ask him some questions and if you actually look there you would actually see some scientific facts that god um confronted him with talking about even the constellation of stars and things that science is just catching up with now so the bible has its reliability but when we come to genesis why are we seeing such um disparity who is actually correct who is right about it now let's go to the part of science first then we're going to come back to the bible all right so what evidence does science actually have now i am not a scientist i will only attempt to simplify what is extremely complicated you can actually go do your research on youtube and you will find so much uh, information on this or just articles on google all right so first of all if you just look around um there are some things that baffle us for example where did the dinosaurs come from I don't think any well-functioning human brain can deny the fact that there is evidence for dinosaurs. These beastly creatures, massive creatures that existed on the earth that do not exist anymore today. They are extinct. And the reason why we know is because their fossils have been discovered. Now, if you don't know what a fossil is, I will try to explain or I'll just search <laughs> Google or something to explain what a fossil is. But a fossil is actually preserved um or let me just read from the dictionary the remains or impression of a prehistoric plant or animal embedded in rock and preserved in petrified form so basically what the jargon that you just read now or i just read is saying that when an animal dies all right um in some cases when it is squished into rock and squished into all those things and all those processes of decay happen over time sometimes the um animal the dead animal as it decays right it leaves a kind of vacuum inside let's say the animal died and maybe molten lava washed over it and over time it solidified into a rock and you know all that and then so the animal is embedded inside this rock and after a while or even plants but after a while as it begins to decay and pine away that vacuum that is left minerals um that form rocks and all those things get into that vacuum and over time they actually take the exact same shape of the uh, bones of the uh, of the animal or plant or whatever you know it just takes the shape and form that was left in the vacuum that's all the vacuum that was left in the rock it just takes that shape and form i am being as i said trying to simplify it as much as i can but it just takes that vacuum so you you find the fossil the fossil is actually stone but it has taken the shape of that thing. And that's actually how it's been preserved for so long because the um, animal itself may not be around for that. I don't think it can exist for, for too long. I'm talking about millions of years. But they found fossils. They found, um, I mean, so many types of fossils. Both recent, but there are some that are dating, like, I mean, like dinosaur fossils. They found um, 
the body of I think there's one of very popular one a mammoth a frozen mammoth I think that one itself is even much more preserved I'm not sure but I think that one even has tissue has bone has all those things a mammoth they found it in ice so that one actually alludes to the fact that there was an ice age so you are looking at um, archaeological evidence that is people digging the earth and finding supposed evidence that seems to say that this earth is actually much older than 6,000 years. In fact, millions of years old, almost billions of years old. There's lots of that. There's evidence of, or the evidence of rock formation. All right, that one, what that just means is that if you um, cut into certain ancient rocks, you probably will find out that there are layers upon layers of those rocks, you know. And each, each of those layers you know, was layered onto like the rock you're seeing at that point, at this point, isn't what it used to be. It grew. Like there were layers that came and other layers came on top and layers over time. And the process is extremely slow. And so it must have taken so many millions of years. That is by scientific dating. It must have taken so many millions of years for those uh, things to come together to see the, to, for the, you know, mountain you are seeing. A very good example is the Grand Canyon. In fact, if you go Google the Grand Canyon and how old is the Earth and type Grand Canyon, you will actually see a lot of information about, you know, that those rock formations. And so, it's not just the Grand Canyon. All over the world, you see the same kinds of formations to suggest to you that this process has happened over a very long period of time. And not just that, what scientists say is that over each layer, like at, at each layer, they, they actually um, look at... They are able to see different kinds of species of animals or fossils that are have been embedded, meaning that there were different kinds of life um, over time. And since fossils don't just um, happen like easily, it's very rare. So to see plenty means that time there's an expanse of time that has happened. Now, this is just a lot of scientific uh, stuff, but you can't deny the fact that these things actually exist. How about the bones of primitive man? That is those creatures that they say are our ancestors and I say to Fiakwa <laughs> but you know the ape looking men and all those they found so are they lying I, I don't think so they've actually found so many of these um, these things so the question would be um, what's going on here because you know it's when they see all these things that they actually say that we evolved that evolution occurred and um, that the world was not made the way the Bible seems to say it, um, that man's ancestors are primates and all those things. Um, maybe on that day we'll talk about evolution, but I'll just give it to you right here that the biggest problem I think that evolution has, there are elements of evolution that seem to be true or even the way we understand it. But the biggest problem I think with evolution is that they found out that over a period of time, yes, so that after life began, um, over a period of time, there was just a point in time where evidence shows that things just came into being, you know, just like that. That's, I'm talking about life, just came into being and, you know, developed from there. So that's the problem that you would actually have with evolution. But anyway, we've spent about, <laughs> say, 11 minutes now just talking about uh, scientific jargons. And I say jargons because I do not know so much about science i like science i read on it but you need to go to the scientists themselves but then at least we can actually deduce just looking at some of these things so with all this um seeming evidence 
stacking up. What about the Bible? Is the is is the Bible actually saying that the world is um, six thousand years? Is that what the Bible is actually saying? Now, for this to happen, we have to actually understand the Bible, why it was written, and all that. Let's let's just go to let's let's head over to Genesis, all right, and and see what Genesis actually um, says about the matter. What does Genesis, you know, Genesis? Um, Tell us now. Genesis chapter one verse one says, "In the beginning, God created the heaven and earth." Okay, I agree. We believe, and I've explained in a previous um, episode that the world had to have come about by a cause. There can't just be the world here and then there's no cause. All right. Even if you want to go with the Big Bang theory, which I think is the most popular theory today, it actually stipulates that there was a Big Banger. The Big Bang shows that there must have been a Big Banger. All right. So. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, beginning God created the, the heaven and the earth, all right? So he made, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, and it was good. Now, we, we, we find a problem here immediately. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And so, um, are we saying that God made light first? Um, yeah, like, or if... Genesis 1 says God created the heavens and the earth. Why is 2 saying the earth was without form and void and darkness upon it? What's happening? Is it that God created an earth that was without form and void and empty and he created an earth that had darkness and, and all that? What, what, what's going on? And he said that it be light. Like, is this actually the story of creation? What's what's happening here? How do you understand this? Especially because in that verse 3, it says, let there be light and there was light. But if you jump to verse 14, it says, And God said, let there be light in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be for light in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And he made the stars also. So you are seeing that from verse 14, he now documents the creation of the sun or the solar system or the sun moon and the lights or the light bodies so what is the light in genesis 3 is god confused what's happening here immediately it should strike your mind that god may not be talking about (laughs) or literally about creation he may be speaking in another language using creation to make his point so let's look a bit at at why or how the bible was written Okay, so the Bible is 66 books put together over a period of 4,000 years. The Bible contains inspired books. We look at 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. It says, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. All right. And so it means that God inspired the writing. God is behind the writing of the Bible. He inspired the writing. He moved men. The Bible says holy men were moved or the spoke as moved by the Holy Ghost. That's, you can find prophecies in the Bible. People were moved to document, to put down um, certain things or events, and that's actually what makes up our Holy Scriptures. All right? Now, 2 Timothy 3 verse 15 tells us this, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. This is Paul talking to Timothy. It says, from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. The Holy Scriptures is just, just the Old Testament, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. 
So look at this. The word wise is the word Sophia in the Greek. It means to be skilled. And it says that these holy scriptures that you have known from childhood are able to make you what? Wise or skilled or knowledgeable unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. In other words, he's saying that if you read the holy scriptures, you will arrive at the conclusion that God's plan for salvation is found in the Old Testament. You will find God's plan for salvation embedded in the scriptures, in the Old Testament. You will find them in story form. You will find them um, as revelation, that is taught. You will see it in the lifestyle of certain people. You will find that theme running throughout the entire Old Testament. Are you seeing that? So it makes you comprehend God's plan for salvation. It is the central theme of the scriptures. Look at John 5.39. Jesus said, search, You search the scriptures, this same Old Testament, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which will testify of me. In other words, he's saying the Old Testament talks about me. Genesis talks about me. Can you, can you see that? So the Bible is not a book of, um, it's not a history book. It's actually a book of doctrine. It's a book to teach. It's not a book of history, even if you will find historical facts in there. Luke 24 verse 25 says, Then he said unto them, This is Jesus who met two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And he said to them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and entered into his glory? And beginning at Moses, which is actually the books that Moses wrote, and all the prophets, which is the other books, you know, he explained unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So if we look at the books that Moses wrote and the other books, the Old Testament, we see the things concerning Christ. What exactly? We see the elements of his birth, his death, his resurrection. If you look at the book of Isaiah, for example, it tells us unto a child is born, unto us a child is born, I think it's Isaiah 7, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be his shoulders, and he shall be called um, Emmanuel, wonderful counsel, the mighty God, all right? And, you know, it explains the fact that God was going to come in bodily form. That this man, alright, was going to come um, through a virgin. The Bible says the virgin shall conceive. And, and then that virgin's conceived child would be God or the incarnate one. So, he explained to them things concerning himself. So, you're seeing that the Old Testament is replete with things concerning Christ. Things. It was written because of Jesus. It was written. So, what is going on here? Now, let's look at Moses. Moses was actually the first guy to document scriptures. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy were written by Moses. Okay then? Before then, before Moses, information and history were passed down through oral tradition. In other words, oral tradition is speaking. Like, I will tell you what happened. You will tell your son. Your son will tell his son and daughters and all that stuff. That's how you know, traditions were passed down. And that's what existed for a long period of time. Now, even till the time of Jesus, because it was actually quite expensive to write, to to get scrolls. They used to make scrolls from animal hides and some of those things. It was quite expensive. We know that about the pharaohs. They wrote on papyrus and those things were quite, they were quite hard to make, quite expensive. And they also um, engraved or engrave writings on stone. So those things were difficult and hard. So the easier way was just to memorize. And so even when Jesus was um, was incarnate, when he came, when God came as Jesus, people were still passing things down via oral tradition. In fact, one of the ways that we know that Jesus, you know, is real is because even after he rose from the dead, you know, the first gospel wasn't written till about maybe 60 years um, after him, Mark being the first one. Is it Mark or Luke? I think it's Mark. 
I'll confirm that. But so you see that thing about okay, what happened within 60 years? How come it wasn't written down? They actually, but you see Paul come. Oh, I hope I'm not boring my audience, but you see Paul come 15 years after Jesus rose from the dead, and Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 actually talks about the fact that Christ died, was buried and resurrected and he said that this is what I received and I'm telling to you. In other words, there was like a creed, there were recitations, there were, you know, oral traditions that were being passed across. So, in that time, uh, back to what I was saying, in that time of Moses, before Moses, like, it was, I mean, God had already appeared to Adam, to Abel, um, he had appeared to people like Enoch and he was already working with people and this the history of the world had been passed down by oral tradition they had told their children's children like that he had passed down and so by the time you got down to Moses all right Moses was the first to write and why was that because um, by the time Moses had come Moses was actually the Bible actually says that Moses was mighty in what and did and he was schooled in the wisdom of Egypt and so we can find it in Acts 7 by the way and so by the way uh, by that time Moses remember he was a prince of Egypt basically he had learnt you know the Egyptian way of writing and all that he was very literate so Moses was the first person to take that history and write it down he took that history and write it down now, um, let's see something that happened. You see, Moses um, now used that history because, as I said, you already had oral traditions passing down. Moses took that oral tradition. And now, because Moses was a man that God revealed his plan of salvation to, Moses took the oral tradition, you know, and, all, and took God's plan, right, as well as, you know, God also showed Moses visions and all that. We don't have time for that today. But he took all this, put them together, and that is how the scriptures, that's how the books he wrote came about, especially Genesis. So, you will see elements of history that are fact. For example, Genesis 1 verse 1, in the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. That is a fact. But you're going to see now that he used that fact to actually explain something else. He used it to explain and show us God's plan for salvation. So, what are we talking about? To get that, let us go to John chapter 1 verse 1. It says, this is John the apostle talking and he wrote all of these people, you are going to see that they borrowed elements from what Moses wrote because they really understood what Moses meant. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Already you can see that it's just talking about Jesus. Verse 4, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light, look at this, verse 5, And the light what shines in what? Darkness. And the darkness does not comprehend it. Now, let's go back to Genesis 1. It says, verse 2, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Right? And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. So you come back to John 1, it says what? In him was life and the life was the light of men. So if you come back to Genesis 1, you're going to see that that light, right? That light is most likely a person or in the knowledge of a person. Verse 5, it says, and the light shines in what? Darkness. And the darkness cannot understand it or the darkness was dispersed because of the light. So you're seeing that the light here in Genesis had to be figurative. It could not have been literal. So, 
you let's see another place where that light is used. Isaiah 60 verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Verse 2, for behold, the darkness shall was cover the earth, and gross darkness the people, for the Lord shall arise upon you, and his glory shall be seen upon you. And verse 3, and the Gentiles shall come to thy words, light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Now remember what we said, that the scriptures talk about Christ, that they were written unto salvation. So even Isaiah 60, you are, you are, you are looking at elements of the gospel or salvation, you know, being preached. Now, the one that helps us to cement it is um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at it from verse 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Verse 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Are you seeing that he's talking about Genesis again? He's talking about that light that shone when there was darkness. He now says, has what? Shined in our hearts. So, if the light, where did the light shine out of? It shone out of darkness, Abby. And the darkness could not comprehend it. But it says he shined in our hearts. In other words, what is the heart? <laughs> what is the heart? That heart would be the earth. <laughs> that heart would be the earth. You see that? The heart would be here. It says he has shined in our hearts. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. So it describes the state of the earth. The Bible actually calls us earthen vessels. You see that? So the earth would be man, the heart of man, and darkness was upon it. Are you seeing that? And the Bible says let them be light. In other words, and it tells us what the light said. The light says the light has shined in our hearts to give the light of what? The knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So it tells us that the light is actually the knowledge of the gospel. So, you are seeing that Moses actually opens Genesis talking about the gospel. This is the creation of the world. He's, he's writing the account of creation, but he's using that account of creation to talk about salvation. So, we can't actually see a clear account. That means that Genesis 1 needs to be studied properly. You cannot just conclude about Genesis 1 from a literal standpoint. It does not make sense. It doesn't make sense. Like, there are lots, lots of things that look contradictory in Genesis 1. They don't just... They don't just make sense. And then another thing is um, people also dispute is the idea that the world was made in seven days. All right. Um, for that one, maybe we'll do another uh, episode on that. Right. Um, the reason why people seem to object to the idea of literal seven days is because of the fact that if you look at some of the way things progressed in science, you will see that they needed, they, the evidence shows it needed a lot of time. All right, um, for those things to progress or for those things to grow. And that's why many scientists will reject the idea of seven days. But as I said, many things seem or appear literal. Now, it is possible for God to have made everything seven days, but a lot of things also appear um, figurative. For example, the end of Genesis 1 is actually found in Genesis 2, verse, I think, 3. And it says here that, um, verse 3, and God, okay, verse 2 verse 2 and on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made so first of all God does not rest so the rest would just be that God ended his work God can God doesn't rest he's not human he doesn't get tired verse 3 and God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because in it he had rested from all his work which God had made which is 
Interesting. Because it says in it, he had rested from all his work, which God had made. Why, did he say, why didn't he say he had rested from all his, all his work, which he had made? He said from all his work, which God had made. In other words, you are seeing someone else resting. So it looks contradictory. It looks like, what are they saying here? And the answer is just that these are figures. These are actually um, figures, things that Moses wrote to unfold God's plan for salvation. And that time we're going to teach, I think I've taught it in the past, but another time we're going to unpack this Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 3 and, and see how it correlates with the book of Hebrews and see that God was actually talking about something else entirely. <laughs> you see that? So, um, another thing to note is that if you look at Genesis chapter 2 from verse 4 and read down, it looks like a more, um, a more literal account of creation. Right, but again, you're going to find out that it also has its own elements. <laughs> I hope I'm not losing you right now, because we've really gone in. I had to take time to really explain this. Um, so it's not it it's not everything here that is literal. All right, if you go down to Genesis three, for example, and we start talking about the serpent. <laughs> the serpent, you know, Satan came and tempted Adam and Eve, but. He couldn't have come as a serpent. You know, he couldn't have come. He, he could not, actually. Because the Bible actually tells us, if you look at that Genesis 3 verse 1, it says, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. All right? Satan was not, God didn't make Satan as a snake. Satan was an angel. It was, you know, it was an angel that God made. He didn't make him a snake. So when you say the serpent, Satan could not have entered the serpent to come to tempt Adam and Eve. No. He just, you look at, uh, the, what is just happening that he just, pointing moses pointing out the subtlety of satan so that's why he uses the figure of a serpent all right and if you look at the book of revelation bible actually talks about the great dragon say that old serpent so it's figurative highly figurative anyway guys <laughs> we've had a long run here but the summary or conclusion of this episode is that science and and um the Bible don't disagree. Actually, they come together in a very beautiful way. And so there is no... There, God never puts anything in Genesis about when the beginning happened. And, you know, there's no... Um, there's no doubt about it that this thing had taken time. Alright? The days... In fact, someone else pointed out that the seven days seem to be separate from when God initially made heavens and earth. In other words, He could have made the heavens and the earth... And then he could have just left it for millions of years and allowed certain things happen and whatever. And then at a certain point, he could have created everything in seven days. There are many ideas there and there's lots of research still happening on that. The point of it is that um, Christians should not be lazy and just say, ah, no, that's how it is. We actually have to investigate the study. It doesn't conflict. It actually does not. So the Bible is a book of salvation. Genesis is a book, it's a doctrinal book. It's a book of salvation. It's explaining Jesus Christ. It is not primarily explaining history, but you can learn some history from it. It's also why, if you remember, there are questions about someone like uh, Cain and Abel. After Cain had, um, we see that after Cain um, killed Abel and everything, the next thing is that the Bible says that Cain took a wife. And they're like, ah, Ogbeni, where did the wife come from? When we just know that it was Cain and Abel, and so where did the wife come from? And so those are questions that seem to boggle people's minds. But the point is just that those things were not really mentioned. They were not really put in details. Those details were there, but because Moses' priority was not history, he focused on the narrative of salvation. That's why he wrote, and that's what we read, okay? 
So, guys, I hope you learned something. I hope you enjoyed it while learning. And I really hope you will share this with somebody and help them to understand these concepts. It would very, very, very much help someone out there. So, guys, God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Till next episode. Bye-bye. If this blessed you, or you want to say hi, or you have a question, you can head over to my Instagram at pst.essien, pst.essien. Also, if you've been blessed and you'd love to support what we do here at MOG Podcast, then you can give to 0106-207-685. I'll say that again. 0106-207-685 GT Bank. God bless you.